Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. It is Tuesday night. It is 9.30. It's time for another edition of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I am one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro. And before we even go any further, before I go off on some ridiculous tangent, before I make this a stupid introduction, too late, let's bring in my co-host, the the man, the myth, the legend, my partner in crime, my partner in... Rhyme, my partner in lime, when I'm having a margarita. <laughs> Let's bring him in for his guitar solo. Mr. Brian Calniva Caliente Calpino. Brian Calvi, what's up, nice. dude? I like it. Nice. Going to get a little wasted. A little what's going on, Cal? Not much. Not much. How have you been, Steve? I've been how good, you? man. How was your, uh, your week? Good, good. Happy Easter to, thank to you, you and, and those who, who partake. Thank you, thank you. Uh, how was your Easter? Was it a nice holiday? Nice? Nice, nice. Nice little uh, little egg hunt in the living room. Nice. That's always fun. Big time. Now, did the kids uh, find the eggs or what? Yeah, it's pretty easy to find the eggs because my living room is the size of a postage stamp, so... Did you do you guys go nutty with the hiding? Like, do you really make it difficult on them? So you want to uh, see them sweat? Yeah, again... Real tough. I mean, where am I going? I'm going under a cushion, couch, you know, couch cushion. I'm right. going behind the TV. I'm going and, in a jacket pocket. Oh, nice. Yeah. That and also, good. another question would be, uh, are the girls at this point, like, drawing up maps? Like, the, the night before, like, do they have, yeah. like, a, a Mission Impossible layout of the living room? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Julia's lowering Emma slowly on a wire down into the center of the living room. Yeah, it's like uh, the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> stop motion animation. Yeah, no, they um, it literally it literally takes uh, four minutes to find <laughs> the twelve eggs that I've hidden. Are you timing them? I'm I'm not timing them, but well, <laughs> that's, how, that's how quick it is. That's how quick it goes very fast. Uh, my Easter was uh, delightful. You know, I had one. I, I had the Easter with the the baby cow. He doesn't know what's going on. No, well, did he did he know what he was wearing? No, that's why I was just going to say, at this point with children, you know, with infants, I'm finding out it's just dress up. Oh, like, my goodness. Like, we went shopping for his outfit on Saturday, and it was totally all about uh, my wife and I. Totally all about us. Of course. Had nothing to do with him. <laughs> you know, and, and he took it like a champ. He did, you know, he pulls it off. The kid pulls it off. He, uh, we had a little pink eyes on action. Nice. And a little sweater vest with a little argyle. Nice. 
He looked like Fuzzy Zeller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It was a great picture. Then success. That's what we were going for. We and, and, looked like he's playing the back nine at Augusta. But what's great about him is he's, you know, at, at, at this young age, he's already got this air of confidence. Like, if you look at him in the picture, like, hey, I'm, I'm pulling. I know what they're trying to do to me, and I'm still pulling it off. Right. He has that whole attitude, like, I, I see what you're doing, and I don't like it. But I'm not going to say anything about it because we cool. He's so unaffected. We had to also, I'm going to say this. This is not like child services stuff. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Like, we also, we put the, we put the pink eyes out on him before the Argyle sweater, and we had to throw the collar up and put oh, sunglasses course, yeah. on him and have him ask for tubs. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we're sitting there saying to him, now say tubs, say tubs, say Crockett and tubs. You know what's great? They have calendars in which people do this to dogs. That's right. <laughs> you know, where you just dress them up in all kinds of wacky outfits. Right. Well, no, I mean, we didn't, you know, he looked uh, spiffy, I thought. It's fun. Yeah, he looked great. That he looked, looked Ivy League. Yeah, he did. Yeah, well, it was a it was a fun day, and uh, I'm glad you had a nice holiday with the girl. Yeah. Lots going on in the sporting world, and we a have a, a big podcast, Cal. Uh, that's where we are right now. You know, it's funny because whenever we have this this short turnaround, it throws me off. We just did a show on Thursday, right? So it's less than a week. Yeah. Um, but a lot has happened. A lot has gone in, on in the last five days. And also we have someone joining us, uh, Bud, that we've been trying to get on the show since its inception. Right. Literally. This guy, it's a friend of ours, not like in an Italian mafia way, but it's a friend of ours uh, who we've been trying to get on the show since its inception. Uh, an old uh, friend of both of ours, uh, K-Mac, our buddy Kev, is going to join us, talk about the NFL draft, one of his favorite topics in the world. And then he's going to talk about his absolute favorite topic in the world. Which is the New York Football Giants, but that's good. Yeah, no, we we you know we haven't done a lot of giant talk on the show, and yeah, it's the draft. The draft is this Thursday night in prime time. Yeah, we need we yeah. need to provide uh, equal time. That's right. And you know, we're not like Fox News or. Let's not. We don't. We don't get political. MSNBC. Remember the rules. Look at the rules. No, no stairway to heaven, and no politics. That those are the rules, and you don't talk about Fight Club. And we don't talk about LeBron's mom or Fight Club. That was the other rule, right? Yeah, and Delonte West. Delonte uh, West, who you, 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 oh, no, we did. See, that's how it was just last week. He frightens you. He does frighten me. I wasn't sure if we brought that up. We did. We did. We did. He, he's, uh, he does frighten me, but for no other reason it has nothing to do with LeBron's mom because he has nothing to do with LeBron James' mother. Uh, supposedly. Correct. Supposedly. According, on Valentine's Day. Let's um, let's also acknowledge, Cal, before we uh, we welcome K-Mac in here. He's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. And then later on on the show, we have Jay Linder, Cal. Yeah, return appearance for Jay Linder. He was great his first time. He's uh, he's fun times. He's good times. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the postmortem on the Knicks. We're going to put that season to bed. Yeah. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Derek Jeter, the captain. He's a book. New book coming out. Book coming out by Eyebrows O'Connor over at ESPN.com. And uh, we're also going to talk about summer movies because Jay Linder, a big uh, pop culture summer movie guy. Summer movies. Yeah. Any excuse to eat a tub of popcorn for Jay yeah. Linder. <laughs> I love him, but he's, you know, it's not like he's a huge guy, right? He likes the snacks. Wow. You really... He's a snacker. I hope he's not listening. He may just not call in. 
He, he no. will call, oh, he'll call in. But before we do all that, we have to acknowledge the man behind the glass tonight producing this show's last podcast, Mr. PJ Cassiopo. Is that how you say it? Is that is that how you say it? Is it Cassiopo? Is it Cassiopo? Hello, who laughs, hello. Who laughs like a diggity dog from? No, oh wait, that was Smedley. Thank you, Smedley. You do. You laugh like what's that? There it is. The Smedley laugh. Pop culture PJ. Pop culture PJ is producing the show tonight and behind the glass. How are you feeling, Peach? I'm feeling good. Um, I have to warn you, I hope you don't get any calls right now because I'm in my driveway. That's excellent. <laughs> producing the show on, on the fly. It's a little bit hard to man the switchboard when you're bringing out the garbage. I just thought I would let you know. I, let me just say, uh, before you get into it, uh, I have to congratulate uh, you guys. You've been having some uh, some real home run shows with with some really good guests. Oh, thanks, Peach. That's, you had the, the Shackner. Yes, we did. Danny Shackner, an old friend of yours. You've known Dan. Uh, you had the Cerrone guy, who I, you know, I had no faith in, but he was good. <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, you, and you, you had Mr. Messer Blogger last week, who was uh, very funny, I thought. Yeah, that's, that's my cat, good. by the way. Yeah, are you hurting the cat while you're doing this? <laughs> it helps me think. <laughs> you, know, you know, we do make the disclaimer at the end of every show that no animals were hurt. Right. In the taping of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Right. Have your cat spayed or neutered. I'm working on that right now. <laughs> right. Well, That's uh, not an animated cat, is it? No, it sounds like a soundboard, like I'm just clicking a mouse and yeah, making the same it. meow come up over and over again. But this is a live cat who wow. only is interested in me when I'm on the phone. What you got to hand it to a, a musician who has a cat that can replicate its meow perfectly yeah, over and per- over again. She's a perfect sample of herself. Exactly. That's a little inside baseball for you right there. There it is. Well, uh, uh, PJ, can we uh, talk on you later? Will you be available to regale us with your uh, pop culture uh, knowledge and, and whatnot? Cause more, i got to be honest. I'm trying to no put up some wallpaper here. Great. Um, so, you know, no guarantees. If I got glue on my hands, I'm not answering. <laughs> There's always glue on your hands, my friend. Easy. Easy hey. now. Hey. Hey now. Come on. Um, prime time. <laughs> That's right. We are still in prime time. Wait till we go to 10 o'clock, and then we can I start. My uncle, the fryer, is listening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peach. We'll talk to you in a bit, buddy. Later, baby. <laughs> Pop culture PJ producing for us tonight. So we got a, we got a, a, a lot going on, Cal. And we're going to start with uh, with uh, Kev. We're going to bring him in in a couple of seconds um, for the podcast slash talk show. But before we do, Cal, we're going to talk uh, NFL draft, as we said. Do you like the Thursday night thing? We talked about the Thursday night thing last year. We have a few more listeners now. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought we'd revisit it. Let's, let's go back to that. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely like love the Thursday it. night. Yeah, you know why? Because it used to be on a Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock. And, and who in the world went – well. Let me phrase that. When you grow up and you have a family and responsibilities, it's very difficult to get some time in front of the television at 12 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So it was always difficult to, to, to catch the beginning of the, uh, of the draft. Now, Thursday night, prime time, it's made for TV. It's, uh, I love it a lot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought that was a move way, uh, you know, whose time had come. 
I thought it was a great move. It is made for TV event now by this point. Uh, and I also like the idea that it stretches it out over a couple of days. I, right. I, you know, Saturday and Sunday, you're sort of bombarded and like you wait and, you know, by Sunday, you're just shot from watching yeah. nine hours of Saturday. Mm-hmm. That by Sunday, if you're watching rounds four through seven, you're like, I don't care. Who'd we take? A punter? Great. I don't care. I'm exhausted. And I can't spend another five minutes looking at Mel Kuyper. I can't. Well, now this is the second year of the draft on Thursday night. And let's hope ESPN has got it right this year. Our good buddy, Dr. E. Ray Statt, was very outspoken about the fact that ESPN would ruin the the, the draft pick by showing them in the green room. They would essentially spoil their own pick. That is absolutely right. And if you it, remember that. I, I I totally do because that was one of the more salient points that was ever made on this program. <laughs> that Evan was incensed, and rightfully so, that oh. they had this made for T V moment and they were spoiling all the picks. Right. The ESPN was going to the green room and like, Oh, it looks like it's gonna be the you know, the Saints. Like how how do you know? do that? Right. Build the suspense. What is wrong with you? Well, I'll give them a pass because it was the first time they were doing it. Yeah, but they started doing this, early, you know, like two years ago when it was still on the Saturday, Cal. They don't get it. And then now you have the NFL Network and ESPN covering it. So you know who the picks are 20 minutes before these guys are even taken. It kills any suspense. It's dope. Well, I will watch the NFL Network because I can't stand the ESPN crew anymore. Yeah, it's too much. I mean, Chris Berman's going to yell and me and give everybody a nickname and it's too much. Yeah, I mean, come on. How do you feel about Chris Berman at this point, Cal? Is it is is he a guy? It's past. What happened? Chris Berman jumped the shark about 15 years ago. Chris Berman jumped the shark before that was a phrase. Chris <laughs> First it was Fonzie. That's right. And then it was Chris Berman. Like we didn't even know you could jump the shark. Like, they should actually film Chris Berman jumping an actual shark to signify how much he's jumped the shark. First of all, they should do that anyway. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> they should absolutely do that anyway. I just, how much would you pay to see Chris Berman on water skis jumping a shark? I would pay a lot. Yeah. But that that crew, Rich Eisen on the NFL Network is so good. I think. I think Rich Eisen's awesome. And is terrific. I think their coverage is is far superior, but yeah, you know, again, they they don't seem to get it. You know what they need? They need somebody doing that show, right? Who is not a football guy? You know, they need like a reality television director who will yeah. understand when to cut and you know how to build suspense. Like they need the guy who does Jersey Shore. Directing. <laughs> no, J.J. Abrams is too good. Don't lump him in with. Oh, he doesn't do the shore? No, does he? I thought J.J. Abrams was like the, uh, the what do you call it? The, yes. PJ's about to get very upset, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you, you riled up the space nerd in PJ. How about, how about somebody like Mark Burnett? Mark Burnett. This bingo the bingo. producer survivor. There it is. You know? The producer survivor. Perfect. The guy who the guy who changed reality television, who changed television and made television what it was. He changed the face of television. Wait, you always you want to say that, right? And you get to say it, and he did. He's a face changer. <laughs> I never get to say that. Where does that phrase come from? Changing the face of something. Yeah. I have no idea. Pop pop culture, PJ. 
Pop culture do, PJ. Do you know Any where idea? that phrase come from? Did did you write that phrase, pop culture PJ? No, maybe. <laughs> no, he said no. <laughs> He's still taking the garbage out. Apparently, we should have asked I, the cat. <laughs> That's it. No, you lost your chance. <laughs> no, I uh, seriously, you know what it probably is, Cal? What? The faces of drama and you know the drama masks. You think so? Change the face, sure. Maybe it goes by the ancient Greek uh, tragedy and comedy. Could be. Change the face. Change, uh, but anyway, uh, Mark Burnett would be the guy to produce it to me. Would he, be much he, better. Yeah, let Mark Burnett produce the NFL draft, and <laughs> what they I'm should do. Is, here. You're laughing, and I'm onto something here, and you no, know it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I want all of the top prospects put on an island. <laughs> and, and and as they get drafted, they get to leave the island. Per, see, now I want to be in the NFL draft business with you. Now yeah. we're talking. That'd Put the Survivor NFL draft. Yeah. They've done every other Survivor. Survivor NFL draft. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. I think we're on to something. Oh, my gosh. Well, with that in mind, <laughs> let's... At this time, we'd like to welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampita, a good friend of ours, a guy we've been trying to get on the show for a really long time. Uh, he is uh, a big-time sportsman, big-time Giant fan, Cal. We've both, known him, we've both known him for an extraordinarily long time. He is our good buddy, K-Mac. K-Mac, what's up, bud? Sam Pete, what's up? Loving the show. Ah, good to have you on, my man. Welcome to the big show. We got some NFL draft to talk. We've got a lot of NFL draft to talk, Steve. I mean, if you're an NFL junkie like ourselves, this is the time. This is Christmas for NFL junkies. It is. It is draft Eve, almost draft Eve. Tomorrow's draft Eve. And uh, but before we get into all that, how's the family, buddy? The family is good, Steve. We've got. We've got one, and we've got one on the way, so we are doing well in McWalter's camp. <laughs> awesome. How was your Easter? How was uh, Rye Guy's Easter? Rye Guy does not understand what Easter is yet, so we didn't have to <laughs> dive too deep into the Easter bunny just yet. <laughs> That's You said something to me a couple uh, days ago about the Mets, watching the Met game with uh, Rye and saying, you know, uh, you, you were going to tell him that – uh, <laughs> you're going to tell them that the Mets won? In Ryan's uh, world, the Mets are in first place and perhaps even undefeated. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're telling them about the Easter Bunny, so what's the difference? Why not? <laughs> well, Let uh, someone enjoy the Mets. That's right. <laughs> well, somebody might as well enjoy it. Kev, you and I have uh, gone uh, way back, go way back with the draft. Do you remember watching it in college? I That seems to be, for me, when it sort of took off like i don't remember really watching it or caring about it in high school well that's the great thing you have so many memories of the draft that i do have college memory drafts i remember in dayton ohio our, our resources were low steve this was pre-internet access um like we have today so we relied on the usa today i remember <laughs> the giants drafting a unknown receiver out of indiana thomas lewis thomas lewis not right. a happy morning. Not a happy morning for a Giant fan <laughs> stuck in Dayton, Ohio, with no access to any sort of information, 
except a blank picture. He didn't even get his face now, in the paper. <laughs> he had like the picture in Madden when you create a player. And, and that's can't... the great thing about the draft. It's you have memories from each year, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Well, that was ninety. That was ninety four, right? They took him twenty four overall. And the Jets, the Jets uh, actually had a good pick that year. The Jets, uh, for those of you folks who, who don't know out there, Kevin and I uh, go back a long ways. Kev is a uh, huge, great Giant fan. I am, a, as many of you know, a big Jet fan. We battled over it. Uh, but the draft is always sort of fun because, you know, it's like, who'd you, who'd you get? It's like Christmas morning. Like, who'd you get? What, what was under the tree this year? And uh, that was one year where I was like, I got Aaron Glenn. Like, okay, not bad. But Steve, we we must mention with you know telling college draft stories, we must yes. tell the Kyle Brady debacle, <laughs> the year the Giants drafted a man that could not get caught from behind, Tyrone Wheatley. I thought that That's was a right. phenomenal pick. Yeah, we all know how that worked out. But uh, tell us about the Kyle Brady uh, draft if you can. Ah, uh, geez, 1995. The next year, uh, we're watching that uh, at uh, our friend's house, and that was one of the first times, Kev, too. I remember gathering for the draft, like a whole bunch of guys uh, actually getting together to watch the draft and, you know, maybe getting some adult libations and uh, very early in the morning on Saturday. A keg might have been uh, present. A keg, there might have been a keg there. I don't know. Perhaps. It's hazy. Uh, everything sort of goes to black after the Jets take Kyle Brady with the number nine pick. Tight end out of Penn State. And, uh, boy, I sure wanted J.J. Stokes that year, Kev. I sure did. You know, Warren Warren Sapp had 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 a slight drug problem that year, and uh, the Jets seemed to shy away from it. That's correct. And Warren Sapp winds up going at twelve to the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Jets were all set to take Warren Sapp, but he had tested positive for, I believe, uh, marijuana. And you you know you can't have that. Can't have that. No, we we know the all time greatest drop down of uh, ever though, Kev, for marijuana, right? Um. Quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, perhaps? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Everybody passing on Dan Marino uh, from Pitt. Uh, hey, but you got Ken O'Brien. That's right. <laughs> that was an excellent trade-off. We got Ken O'Brien out of Cal Davis. That went well. Uh, Kev, uh, looking back, like uh, out of those years, what's your biggest biggest disappointment? Is it Thomas Lewis? Um, I don't know if it's Thomas Lewis, Steve. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's always those bus picks that really. I remember being so proud of the Gerard Bunch fullback pick the Giants selected. The the, the exact year is eluding me right now, but uh, I was convinced it was a solid good pick, and we all know how that one turned out. Yeah, it's it's a crapshoot, but it's a crapshoot that we enjoy. I also remember who was the guy you guys drafted that was legally blind? Oh, the infamous Cedric Jones pick. Where I had dreams of Jonathan Ogden or perhaps a Simeon Rice at the number five overall pick, only to draft the one-eyed Cedric Jones who was not on my list. My list did not go Cedric Jones deep, and that's who we ended up with. He was not in your war room, not up on oh, the wall boy. in your war room. Oh, boy. <laughs> I just remember you saying to me, legally blind in one eye, when you were reading his scouting report. The next day, you were like, he th- what? What did we do? 
That was All not right. a good one. But you know, we've come a long way, and and that that's what makes this you know drafts like this year so great is you know we have access to all this information now, and you really dive deep, and you can get in touch more with the team, and and the, and, and the draft becomes you know marketable and exciting for everybody. So um, I'm I'm pumped for this year's draft as well. Yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot to be pumped about, Cal. Yeah, I just uh, hey Kev, it's Cal. Hey, what's up, Cal? <laughs> I just had a, a seven-year-old uh, issue. I had to go take care of my daughter. <laughs> and he's back. He's back. It's a, it's a family first show. That's right. Uh, yeah, we our priorities are in order here. Uh, um, my question to you is: uh, since the Giants typically are a good team, so they're they're picking lower in the first round every year. Um, the year they got Eli Manning was that the most exciting draft? for you or like the the most exciting first round of a draft for you? Absolutely. Um very nerve-wracking day, very nerve-wracking day. Uh funny story here, I was uh living in Manhattan at the time and the Eli draft was, you know, all sorts of speculation what were the Giants going to do? Who who is their favorite? Were they going to go with Ben Roethlisberger out of Miami of Ohio? Were they going to go Philip Rivers? Were they going to go Eli Manning? We all knew Eli Manning was high on their charts that year. Um, I planned on going to a party in Times Square, and uh, what my friend deemed a Jet fan, I should I should note, deemed as a NFL draft party at Times Square. So um, I was on my way there, and I realized at the time that the party I was going to was a Jets draft party. Now keep in <laughs> mind, <laughs> keep in mind, I'm a diehard Giant fan with the possibility of drafting a franchise quarterback. Um, for the next 10 years. So I uh, I decided to go with plan B. I uh, popped into the nearest local, um, let's say, old man watering hole, a, a Barney Stone, one of those type establishments. Sure. And yeah. I went in by myself, parked myself in front of a 13-inch TV with poor reception, um, and that <laughs> did just fine. I watched the Giants make the trade, get Eli Manning, and then I was able to go to the Jets' party in Times Square with a quarterback and very happy. Now, nice. now something happened at that Jets party, though, that you, I remember you calling and telling me about. Why don't you tell the good people what happened? Oh, well, that's the day I uh, refused my photo op with the infamous and perhaps most famous, most powerful Jet fan out there, Fireman Ed. <laughs> K-Mac refuses a photo with him, Cal. They're like, hey, come take, take your picture with Fireman Ed. McWalter says nothing. He wasn't doing it for me that day, and he still does not. <laughs> was he set up at a table where you can go and take a picture with him, or was he just kind of hanging out? No, he was just kind of hanging out at the at the party with his fireman hat, how it does it. So uh, he was, uh, you know, hamming it up for the uh, Jet fans, but uh, there were a couple uh, diehard big blue fans in attendance that, de- you know, declined the photo opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. I can't imagine why you would decline that. <laughs> Didn't you need something for the dartboard? Steve can Steve, Steve can confirm my feelings on the Jets. I want to keep the show clean. We are not here to bash. We are yeah. here to talk NFL draft. We are excited about the 2011 draft, as in within, what, 48 hours? We That's will right. both have yeah. a new member of our teams in round one. That's right. And Cal, you know, uh, K-Mac was funny today. We were talking a little bit about it, and he thought maybe he was going to get whacked Goodfellas style. 
<laughs> like I was bringing him on the show. This was all just a setup. That's right. Like I was gonna have like uh, you know uh, Danny and and a couple other the Jet fans and just get them on the show to whack them like uh, like Pesci being made like take him up there. You know. Oh no, we, we we hey, Kev, we've talked about it a million times. You know, I I respect your love of the Giants. I know you don't respect my love of the Jets. So let's just move on. Oh, that's a little harsh. A little harsh. Oh, I know it is. I'm joking. I I told you today, Kev. I wouldn't take a picture with Fireman Ed either. I I can't stand that big phony. You know that he's a Dolphin fan. That's your guy. It's not my guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> we should before we get into this year's draft, too, Kev. We should share the story about uh, the last time, not the last time you and I did radio, but uh, maybe the last one of the last times you and I uh, were on a radio show together in college, and uh, we had a weekly sports uh, football show. At the University of Dayton. We had seven or eight listeners, I would say, much like this program. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we used to do a weekly football show. And Cal, that was the only time I cursed on the air in four years. Came back up, we still riled up talking about the Jet Giant game in 19, I guess it had to be 94, Kev, because Boomer was playing. Something something got you extremely riled up. I, I you know the specific topic eludes me. I don't know what we were arguing back and forth, but uh, the buttons, the green buttons, were definitely pushed. Uh, and uh, Steve with <laughs> Steve with the infamous and classic uh, meltdown on air. Yeah, the F seven listeners. The F bomb was dropped. Wow. We we uh, we got a call from the station manager. Toot sweet there, Cal. Toot sweet. Yeah, he was one of the seven people listening. Not so unfortunate. Steve. Yeah, uh, and uh, we all know the Jets went on to lose that game. Hey, before we talk about the draft, Kev, um, Jets-Giants Christmas Eve, thoughts? Um, I could be in a blue Santa Claus, uh, you know, outfit that day. I'm not quite sure. Hopefully with an NFC East title on, you know, at stake. Yeah, or maybe even wrapped up. That'd be even better. It could, it could be wrapped up by then. <laughs> well, if things go well in the draft, maybe it will be. You know, maybe if you add that if you add that key piece to the Giants, Giants a ten and six team last year, should have made the playoffs. We're probably I mean we're miles better than the Seahawks, that's for sure. And uh just a you know, a victim of playing in a difficult division. Uh, let's let's get right into it, pal. Uh you know, Thursday night, the Cal and I were talking about oh yeah, before we do. Uh you like the Thursday night? No, I do not like the Thursday night. Really? I am a traditionalist at heart. Um, for some reason, I, 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 you know, I think this gives an advantage to the weaker teams um, that perhaps make a, you know, a, a first day, first draft, first round blunder when you know their guy might have slipped off the board, and it kind of gives them too much time to kind of recoup and and fix it. And you know, I like the way as a Giant fan, talking as a Giant fan, I like the way their war room works, and I, and I think it's more advantageous for them to, uh, you know. Do it all in one day, and I and I liked it on Saturday better. How about from a, how about from a from a fan perspective, just watching it unfold on television, you get to see it on prime time. You, and instead of watching the entire you know first couple rounds on one day, you get the first round on Thursday night. You, you don't like that? Do not like that. I like wow. I said, traditionalist. I'm a, I would I would prefer it on Saturday, like it like it used to be. Really? So even from a, because I hadn't even thought of the competitive advantage. We were just talking about it from the idea of like, you know, it was always difficult right, to get to up. You might get up at nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday now that you know we got kids and you got this that and the other thing. It's a little easier maybe to watch on a Thursday night. But 
Uh, you, you're a traditionalist. You always have hey, been. We, 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 you know, this is a baseball town. We could watch the Mets or Yankees on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock. That's true. Good point. Fair point. <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of speaking He's of angry. Baseball, just, just to break in for you fellow Mets fans, the Mets have won their fifth in a row. Nice. The National 6-4. to four, so. And what happened in that Yankee game, Cal? You said something about uh, Mariano blowing a save? No, it wasn't Mariano. It was Soriano. Oh, Soriano. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get my annos mixed up. And it wasn't a save. It was in the eighth inning. But he did give up a two-run homer to uh, Paul Canerco. So he blew a hold. He blew a hold. Quite a few meltdowns in a row now. I Just saying. I did, hey, look. You know, just late just inning. Late inning. You know, maybe they're having some late inning trouble that they need to address. Well, you know, Kev, you always spend money on your bullpen. That's what you want to do. You want to throw all sorts of money at your bullpen. Uh, congratulations to the Metsies, uh, five in a row. But look, we can't talk Mets tonight, Cal. I just wanted to bring it up. That's all the Mets we're going to talk tonight. And I know okay. K-Mac's a big Mets fan. I want yes, to share the news. I, I mean, five in a row news. should be noted somewhere in, you know, in the show. That's correct. In the, That's somewhere it. in the podcast, we have now noted five in a row. Uh, well, well done. Josh Tolley with a big uh, double uh, to drive into and uh, – Take the lead five to three. Jason Bay with two hits, two runs scored. Just saying, just throwing things out there. That's all. If, if you wanted to get detailed about it. <laughs> That's right. Now, uh, so let's jump to the, the 11 draft, my brother. Uh, uh, one of our favorite days, nights of the year. Uh, and let's start in the first round. Now, uh, Kev, I know you, you actually are uh, really well versed on like all the drafts. And uh, I got to say, we were talking about it the other day. Color me impressed, man. You have. You you have taken this to a new level. Like it used to just be something like we would both be looking at draft picks, like in you know January or February or whatever. We'd be like, oh, I took a quick look at a mock draft. You were yep. throwing out you you were throwing out some fourth and fifth round names to me the other day, Kev. <laughs> I mean, you gotta love it, and that's where, and that's what I you know mentioned earlier uh, earlier to you that you know with the with now with the internet and all the access to all the names and depth charts and. and and you know, video on you know, you can watch film on these guys. You can really prepare yourself and go you know, 200 players deep and have a have a good time with it. All right, Kev. So we're going to start. Um, let's start overall draft. And and Carolina's got the first pick in the draft. A lot of people are saying Cam Newton. What are you thinking? You think it's going to be Newton going to the Panthers first? Um, I think it is going to be Cam Newton. Do I like the pick? I don't think it it would be be the best pick. Um, when, when you look at Cam Newton, you got to look at two things, though. You got to look at the Carolina Panthers and their ownership group. By picking Cam Newton, does that mean there's 40,000 more people in the seats, or uh, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Do I think Cam Newton is a is a, is a quarterback that's NFL ready and ready to take the Carolina Panthers very far? No, I don't. Yeah, it, it, go ahead, Cal. No, I was going to say, who who would you pick if you you know you got the number one pick in the entire draft? Who do you go with at that spot? Um, I would probably start in the middle with defense and, and take Marcel Darius, uh, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Really? Really? Now you so, but don't they failed miserably, Kev? Right with Jimmy Clausen in Carolina. I, I would and, not say failed miserably yet. I mean, if you if you want to say that's his his one and only shot, and in the NFL as you know, improving himself as a number one quarterback in this league, you know, how fair is that to say Jimmy Clausen is a bust at this stage? Well, it seems that, I, I don't know, that's a good question. It seems, though, that, I mean, they seem to feel that he's not only physically, uh, and and let's face it, it's not a great team, it was a terrible team around him, but not only, you know, physically he 
has all the gifts, but they question his leadership and they question, you know, uh, coming from a winning program. You know, he can't coming from ND, but ND on some down years or whatever. I, I don't know if that's his one shot, but if you're Carolina, can you sell your fan base on a on a defensive tackle? Well, let's face it. You know, you've got options too. I mean, Steve. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if if Jimmy Clausen's the number one pick, you've already got you know some a decent chunk of change invested invested in that in that first round pick from last year. So, if you know if the if the defensive tackle, and I understand your point, is uh, you know something to be strongly considered on their draft board, why don't you maybe pick in AJ Green, the wide receiver out of Georgia, and see if Jimmy Clausen can get him the ball? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it speaks almost as much to how little faith they have in Jimmy Clausen as it does to to Cam Newton as a, as a prospect. And, and, you know, Kev, we watched him a little bit, you know, Cal and I talked about him a little bit around national uh, title game around the national title of the BCS championship game that, you know, he's a, he's sort of a fascinating prospect because is he, you know, is he going to be Randall Cunningham ish or, or, uh, or even like a, a Ben Roethlisberger with the size and the speed and difficult to take down and a good arm. Or is he Jamarcus Russell? You know, I, I tend to I, – I almost worry that he's a little more Jamarcus Russell than he is like a Ben Roethlisberger. Or he could be a little more uh, Jason Campbell. There's definitely two school, schools of thought on uh, on Cam Newton. It seems like it's divided. You're either a Cam Newton guy or you're not a Cam Newton guy. Um, I know I know they ran a very simplistic uh, offense. I, I saw a special – uh, with John Gruden grilling uh, Cam Newton a little bit, and I got to tell you, he, he he looked baffled. And and in, as a, if I was a fan of the Carolina Panthers, and I and I'm reading reports and and you know all the hype leading up to the draft, I don't know if I'm convinced that Cam Newton is going to be the guy that takes me to you know to the Super Bowl. Right, and you just brought up a, an interesting thing, Kev, that I almost forgot about that we always do, and that's the there there's an interesting aspect of analyzing the draft. When you and I have always done this, the from the fans' perspective. So you just said, like, if I'm a Carolina fan, I, I, am I happy that I'm getting Cam Newton? And I, yeah, I, I, I think that's an interesting way to sort of analyze a pick. You know, or think like about look it. at a you know, think, right. think about if you're a Buffalo's Bills fan and you're, and you're in the number three spot, and the three players they're saying they're looking at are, are the defensive tackle from Alabama, the linebacker Von Miller, and Cam Newton. So uh, you know, do, you, do as a fan, do you, do you do you commit to Cam Newton at the three spot, even though you don't think he's going to be your guy? Right, but you so desperately need a a change from Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but do and, and, and that's a, that's another great thing about the draft is you you know you're really not in your team's war room, right? and and you wish you were because you want to be closer and know what they're thinking and know you know who's on their draft draft board and how it ranks and. Uh, and that's the fun part about trying to figure it all out prior to the the thing taking place. Well, the, the flip side with with Carolina drafting Newton is, what, what are they going to do then? Trade Clausen? Are they going to trade Clausen? And what can they get for him? You know, are they better off trading Clausen and getting stuff back for him and then having Newton, or are they better off sticking with Clausen and, and drafting somebody else? It's a, it's a, they're they're faced with a dilemma, and you know, and and. And let's not forget that you know one of you know the 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 thing we touched on earlier is is Cam Newton's definitely going to be a marketable guy that 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 puts fans in the seats. So uh, does the owner of the Carolina Panthers have the have the final say in the pick? If so, I think Cam Newton will be the number one overall pick. Yeah, and it's sort of a shady uh, 
sort of ownership group there and stuff. I mean, they've had a lot of trouble in Carolina, and I think they they opt for the guy who's going to put the fannies in the seats. I mean, that's me, and I think maybe you look to move Clawson uh, somewhere, or you know, maybe you play Clawson. The best case scenario is that they're both good, and you can get something for either one of them. You know, you can trade one of them and uh, and get something back. It's a it's a I. I if I'm not mistaken, they tried to trade out of that. They tried to trade out of the one, did they not? And you know they've been rumored to you know they're fluctuating on on who the number one pick is as as late as this afternoon. They they weren't quite sure, and you know usually wow. at this time it's pretty confirmed and pretty leaked out who the number one pick uh, you know may or may not be, and, and and they're still wavering on who that pick is. Cal, what do you do if you're Carolina? Do you take Cam Newton? I think you got to take Cam Newton just for, just from from Kev's perspective of uh, not that he agrees with the pick, but from the perspective of uh, uh, putting fans in the seats. Carolina needs something to jolt that franchise, and Cam Newton's the guy to do it. Whether he's the right guy for the team, though, I don't know. But he's he's certainly going to be a box office uh, attraction. Right, and I think the the one thing we got to touch on, guys, that we haven't, you know, is is obviously the we're, we're kind of looking at this draft through a in a glass, uh, or what do you call it? You know, through a tunnel without a looking glass. Thank you. Yeah, without analyze, <laughs> without acknowledge. Thank you once again, Cal. You have crystallized my thoughts. Without acknowledging the seventeen thousand pound pink elephant uh, on the podcast, and that's you know the labor unrest and the fact that the lockout was overturned, but it, the, there may be a strike, there may be a lockout, there may be no football season to begin with, and you can't sign free agents right now. So teams going into this draft will be basically drafting players from a position of not knowing what their roster is going to look like. And we'd be we'd be fools. <laughs> <laughs> Any fool could see that, uh, y- you know, you have to acknowledge that when you're looking at these draft picks. We're going to talk about the Giants in a sec. And the Giants have a lot of guys under contract. They don't. They don't have a, a tremendous amount of uh, of unrest, free agent wise. So, but that's definitely going to factor into it, right? Absolutely, Steve. If you want to use the Giants as an example, um, you know, and where they are in the draft, I mean, do they give uh, the the position of running back um, any attention in the first round? Uh, you know, we'll throw out the name Mark Ingram from Alabama, right? Going, you know, rumored to go anywhere between uh, you know twelve and twenty, and you know, in the draft seems to be slipping later into the first round, um, you know, as we progress and get closer. But, you know, Ahmad Bradshaw is a a free agent. Um, He's coming off an operation on two of his feet. Uh, Will he return as the Giants? And and how much does that weigh into their front office and their war room decisions and draft boards? Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna factor in for all these teams. Uh, uh, You know, we we can talk about the Jets later, but I, I really want to talk about the Giants. But, you know, the Jets have a situation where they have unsigned wide receivers. Antonio Holmes is a free agent. Braylon Edwards is a free agent. <clears throat> You're certainly not going to look at maybe a wide receiver with that first-round pick, but you may look at one in the second or third – or well, they don't have a second. But in the third round where you might not have before because you got to maybe sign one of those guys back. You don't know if you're going to be able to sign either of them back. Absolutely. I mean, in some instances it could very easily work out – you know, both ways where you you know the Jets get there. You know, they re-sign their 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 wide receiver who, who who's a veteran, and and they also get themselves a good receiver in the third round that they can develop and bring bring you know at the at the pace they want to bring him at, and he ends up being a great NFL player. So who knows? It could work both ways. Now you you said Kev that this is a big 
you feel like as a Giant fan that this is a big uh, draft for Jerry Reese with the Giants GM, who had a you know a bonanza his first draft with all those players contributing to the Super Bowl win a couple years ago uh, as rookies, and and it's a it's a big draft for him. You've watched him draft over the last couple years. What uh, what is his is he athletic over uh, quantity uh, quality is you know what I mean is he going for the best available athlete is he filling positions what does he usually do I mean it seems like he's been going uh, a, a little bit more on um, uh, speed and athleticism uh, rather than um, for lack of a better word the lunch pail blue collar hard hard working overachiever guy where you know you look at a at the guy they picked last year in the first round, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, freakishly athletic, and all all the pre-draft um, analysis on him was was um, you know is he the next Javon Curse? Does he have that freak-like ability? He's athletic. He's long-armed. He's he's fast for his enormous size. So so guys like that seem to be on Jerry Reese's radar, and, and guys that he seems to to like very much. All right, now Kev, let's look at the Giants. Um... Two two ways I'm going to ask you to answer this one. You know, I want I want to hear uh, who you would like to see the Giants pick from a fan's perspective, and who you think they actually will pick from a, from a kind of like a reality perspective. So g- give me your thoughts on both of those. Well, from the from from the fan uh, who I would like to see them pick, uh, it's funny when you when you when you do the analysis for your own team, you. I know I I'm guilty of of you know wanting that that playmaker wanting the guy that you know touches the ball um rather than perhaps taking the more wise safe pick where if you're building your defensive line or your offensive line. So with that said, the possibility of Mark Ingram slipping out of that slot at 15 where many people have him going to the Miami Dolphins due to Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams either departing or or just uh, you know getting long in the tooth um, on the, uh, you know with the Dolphins, um, I, I, I'm very I would like to see the Giants take a Mark Ingram if he comes down to 19. That now now uh, so the playmaker now who do they get? Who do they get? More realistically, <laughs> they get someone on the offensive line. It's a it's a it's an area where they could absolutely use depth. Um, David Deal has done a fine job at left tackle. Perhaps uh, he he's movable. He can go back inside to the guard position where he's also a strong player. So with that being said, uh, I think they have their eyes on Anthony Costanza, the uh, the tackle out of Boston College. Um, if he happens to be off the board, I think they continue to focus on the offensive line and they look at Mike Pouncey, the guard center out of Florida. I think I don't think they could go wrong with either one of those guys, Kev. I think Costanzo is is solid, uh, super solid prospect, and of course he has the the Coughlin connection, right, with BC and everything. Absolutely, and, Pat Flaherty, the offensive line coach for the Giants, ran the Boston College Pro Day. The assistant uh, offensive line coach on the Giants has has worked with Costanzo in the past, so there are connections uh, to Boston College, to uh, Costanzo, and to the Giants. So so you can definitely see it. Um, and where he's projected to go in the draft, he can he could very easily uh, be right there for the Giants when they pick at 19. Yeah, and and we'll be able to say Costanzo. Of course, <laughs> we'll be able to do the. I'm sorry, oh, Calvi's giving me a look. <laughs> Cal and I are on the video conference here. Cal, I'm getting a look. 
I got a, oh, you made a Seinfeld reference. Why don't you date, uh, date yourself a little further there? That's fantastic. You're going to yeah, reference back to life next? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what you're looking for when you're making a draft pick, is what kind of pop culture reference you can assign to it. That's what I look for. Uh, Kev, another – look, we talked about the Giants. You know, they went 10-6. and six. They had a, a, a difficult time down the stretch last season. But this is a good team. They don't need a ton. And especially if they get Bradshaw back, they're kind of set at the running back position. So Ingram may be a uh, you know a bit of a, a luxury pick. Yeah, uh, the, you know the Ingram pick is probably uh, something that uh, you know Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin know a lot better than you and I. Uh, you know their thoughts on Brandon Jacobs, who's a free agent after next season, and and the health of uh, Ahmad Bradshaw and and what they want to commit to him as far as years and uh, dollars. Um, so there are some question marks. So internally, we don't know that. Um, if, if there are plans to move one of those guys um, from the franchise and, ha- and have them play someplace else um, as early as next year, then, then, then you would think Mark Ingram definitely becomes a target and someone of strong interest. Yeah, no, it, it definitely could be. The other, the other uh, position I would see, Kev, for them that you know you and I have talked about or whatever, and it seems like we've talked about this a lot under Reese, uh, is linebacker. Uh, if they don't go offensive line at the 19, can you see them uh, going for a linebacker or all those guys sort of reaches? You know, you know the, when you look at the linebackers in this draft, you've got Von Miller who who sits atop, and it, lo- it looks like he might, um, if, if not, he, he has the potential to be the number one pick overall in the draft, but it looks like he'll be somewhere – in the first five picks selected. Um, a guy that falls to in the Giants area and where they select is, is the linebacker of UCLA, Akeem Ayers. Um, do the Giants like him? How much do they like him? We don't know that at this point. Um, can he lead the Giants um, from a calling of the plays and, and absorbing a, you know, a complicated defense? These are questions that the uh, you know the Giants are are, are asking and uh, they could you know if if Akeem Myers is their guy um, I would not be shocked uh, if, if that's their pick. I think that <clears throat> sorry, Kev. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. It could be, but it, he feels like a uh, he feels like a reach. Gosh, I hate it, it's a weird position for the Giants. They're usually almost always towards the end of the draft, and like 19 is such like a. It's like this, the 11 pick in a fantasy sports draft. You know what I mean? It's like such a tweener pick, it, it feels like to me. You know, like, is it too high to take this guy here? Or are we reaching there? Or, you know, could, or are you hoping for guys to fall in the middle? When you read the bio on Akeem Myers out of UCLA, he, uh, he, he seems to do a little bit of everything very well, and he is an athletic player. And what we touched on earlier with, uh, you know, when you read his bio and you read his strengths and, and how he has this this uh, athletic ability to do both things, that whether it be get to the passer or drop back in coverage with a, with a tight end, he seems to do everything pretty well. And to me, that kind of fits the mold of an athletic, rangy-type linebacker that Jerry Reese might be attracted to. So who knows? Well, you, you're talking about the bio for Akeem Myers. Aren't all of the bios on these guys? They make them sound like they're the best player coming well, out. Well, I of gotta college. tell you, I, I, you know, the opposite could be said. If you read some of these bios on these guys, and, and you know, of course, you scroll down and you, and you slowly look at the weaknesses section that they uh, <laughs> often include on these players. Man, yeah. uh, they're some of those scary. 
Yeah, I know. So, some, uh, I think they should start including like weaknesses in real life too, like you know, <laughs> bad penmanship, whatever. Doesn't call back after the first date, whatever. Right, right. PJ just chimed in and said, "No peripheral vision. That's the problem." <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, I, I feel like that too, though, Cal. Like I read some of these bi- <laughs> I read some of these bios, and I'm like, well, this guy sounds fantastic. Let's go. Oh, wait, let's go get this. That's why I like Kev that they put the weaknesses on the on the bottom. Yeah, you know what I mean? has had eleven surgeries on his right knee since you know <laughs> high school. That's right. He's half bionic. It shouldn't be a problem, though. Don't worry about it. So it was like, who was who was it we were looking at the other day, Kev? When, and it said uh, he had the knee surgery in, like, November. And we were like, ah, oh, too soon, too soon, you know? Like, I, I want to see that knee surgery, like, three years in the past. I don't want, I don't want to see it, like, three months ago. Uh, arthritic, but, arthritic knee is always a concern. <laughs> well, then, you, then you'd be a Met outfielder. That, that's, oh. Sorry. I had Especially to when get... the kid is 21 years old and he's got an arthritic <laughs> knee. Undisciplined. Undisciplined. Might have trouble with NFL playbook. Those are guys you want to stay away from. Oh, no. Lacks lacks a voice. (laughs) Doesn't speak the language. Uh, Oh, man. Kev, a couple more things, then we're going to let you run. But um, So the Giants in the later rounds, how many picks do the Giants have? Seven? Seven picks. Right. And and who who do you like in... Like two, three. What do you, what do you see there? Are there? Do you have? I know you always have like a wish list for like the second, third, fourth rounds. What what's your wish list look like? My wish list is um you know this kid out of this linebacker out of uh, Washington, Mason Foster. I believe he had about 170 tackles last year for the Huskies. He's just a tackling machine. Negatives on him is he might be a little bit small um, with short arms, but he's got a very high football <laughs> IQ. I like that out of my linebackers. <laughs> Give me the guy with the high IQ. Give me the give me a guy that can quarterback my defense, so to speak. So uh, he's a guy I'm definitely looking at in round two. Um, if, if if the Giants do go defense in round one, I think maybe um, the center position needs to be addressed. So uh, you know Steve Wisniewski out of Penn State. I'm a sucker for the bloodlines. Love his bloodlines. Love what I read about the kid. So I could you know see see him on my wish list in round two. And then in round three, I wanted to touch on the safety out of Temple. And, Steve, I think I've mentioned him to you in our past conversations. His name is uh, yep. Wakan uh, Jarrett. He's a he's a free safety out of Temple. He's a, he's a homegrown kid, uh, grew up in New York, heavy, heavy, heavy hitter. If you get a chance, check out his highlight, highlight reel on YouTube uh, prior to the draft, and uh, I think you might want him to in round three. Yeah, I was just going to say this may be the rare instance where – we're actually uh, uh, sort of fighting for him when round three is going on, and I'm hoping you don't take him, and you're hoping I don't take him. It uh, seems like this. Yeah, it seems like this draft is very heavy in talent in in, in rounds two, three, and four. So, uh, which it's it's going to make it you know a fun draft on Saturday to see what what unfolds. Yeah, and also as we said, you know, with with Jerry Reese, you know, this is a this is a very important draft for him. I feel like, and I feel like they they've done a good job. He's done a very good job, uh, especially not taking, like you said, you know, taking uh, Pierre Paul last year. You know, that's a position where that was supposedly strength, but he couldn't pass up on the athleticism. And we saw that last year out of Pierre Paul. And, and that may turn out to be a great pick, especially with the injury concerns with Kiwanuka. And, and, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so he, he doesn't, he's not afraid to take at a position where he's got guys. So you like that. 
But also, he's got to find some – I think he's got to get more value in those later rounds. I think this is an important draft to get guys that contribute like he did early, you know, like he did in his first draft, to get guys that contribute from the fifth round or the sixth round. That would be nice, Steve. That is music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, I, got, I, I just have one question before we go. Yeah, go sure. ahead. Uh, Jake Locker, does he get the Brady Quinn camera of shame treatment from ESPN in the first round? <laughs> <laughs> As he continues uh, I'm not to sure fall. about that. I, you know, Jake uh, Jake Locker. I, I believe it or not, like everything I'm reading on the kid, and I, I hope he lands within the top, you know, top 15 picks. You think he will? I think he's got a chance. Maybe a Minnesota at number 12 might might, might reach and, and make him their man. They can okay. certainly use him. I uh, they, and they should officially rename that camera the right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Brady Quinn. <laughs> Camera of shame, or not even camera of shame. It's not his fault. Well, no, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, it was just mean, you know. Gotcha. Just having that. Ca- oh man, I, I never comfortable cam. Yeah, I never felt worse for a guy who was about to be a gajillionaire. That's true. You know, well, every time I started to feel really bad for him, guys, I was like, oh wait, he'll he'll have twelve million dollars tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, so maybe maybe not so much. Well, listen, Kev, enjoy the draft, my brother, and thank you for coming on. I will, and if I could throw out one more sleeper school for the Giants, do not be surprised if at some point in the draft the Giants select someone from Slippery Rock. You heard it here first. Wow. Break. Perhaps a Brandon Fusco center. <laughs> just, just throw it out there. Why not throw out a super sleeper at the buzzer? I love it. Mac, we'll talk to you uh, down the road, pal. Please uh, join us again, will you? Absolutely. Go blue. All right, brother. Thanks, Kev. Adios. Later. Uh, So, Kev, uh, there you have it, the NFL draft. We didn't even talk about the Jets. I'll say this. I like like the Taylor kid. I like the nose tackle. Again, he's a – yeah, it's like we were saying, though, Cal, where you read the strengths and the weaknesses, and you're like – Yo, this guy looks great. This guy looks great. And then you get down to the weaknesses. It's like, oh, he's got foot problems. He's got bad feet, Cal. You know, my like my, my Aunt Dolly has bad feet. You know, that's not something I want out of my starting nose tackle. That's something my great Aunt Dolly has. He's big, though. He's 340 pounds. He's, he's... I mean, he's like Chris Jenkins, but, you know, a lot younger and healthier. <laughs> that's right. But well, other than that, I, I, I do. I like the Taylor kid, but I also like this uh, linebacker uh, who's flying up. What's his name? Uh, I think it's uh, Brooks Reed, the kid out of Arizona. Cal, mm-hmm. flying up draft boards. He's a uh, a real Rex Ryan, seemingly a Rex Ryan guy. They could use a linebacker. That's for he's sure. a he's a he's a defensive end outside linebacker hybrid. And, oh, good. Uh, you know what my favorite part is, Cal? Yeah. He likes playing football. Huh. Unlike somebody what else. What a novel concept for that's, a hybrid linebacker slash defensive lineman. Unlike somebody else that they took in the first round a few years ago with the number six overall pick, he likes football. That it's, not just, it's not just like, eh, okay, I could do it with or without it. You playing football today? Maybe I'll come down. I love working out. I love the weight room. The field? Playing, playing the game? Eh. <laughs> It's nice. I, I could take it or leave it. Not thrilling, but nice. <laughs> well, uh, we certainly thank uh, K-Mac for joining us, and uh, good stuff. We'll definitely have him back on the show. And Cal, 
You know what this music means? Well, it could mean any number of things now. Take a guess. Jack. No. Patrick Flood. Over two. Well, then it's got to be Jay Linder. It is, in fact, Jay Linder. And uh, let's welcome to uh, back to Ready to Unload a man who needs no introduction, but shall get one anyway. To talk about the Knicks, uh, the Jeta book, and uh, Captain America. Let's welcome in Jay Linder. What's up, Jay? Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? It's going well. Are you hearing your theme music? I, I am, I am. Uh, and it's, I appreciate that very much. It's, it's good stuff. I, I actually have had women point guns at me, so I can relate <laughs> to the theme music. Um, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm delighted to talk about the Knicks, about, you know, single white female thing going on in the Yankee Clubhouse, but I'm still in awe of K-Mac. I mean, it, you know, it's incredible how one 80-degree day gets everyone so fired up and optimistic that anything is possible, including the fact that we might actually see some NFL games this year. So so <laughs> congratulations. And the other thing that kept going on in my mind, it was like a mantra, like the whole time listening to K-Mac, it was like the only thing I couldn't get out of my head was, you know, like suck it, Mel Typer, because like Mel got – Helmet Head has nothing on, on my man K-Mac. I mean – Dude, he's got me so fired up about the Giants. I'm like, you know, getting ready to go out and 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 put on my Jim Burt jersey. Like, I'm 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 really fired up. Like, I I want to light this candle now, even though the fact we're like a month into baseball season. So. I had um, a feeling. I had a feeling, Jay, that if you took a gander at at my man K-Mac, knowing that you're a Giant fan, I that am, he and would, you know, uh, he would fire you up. I, I'm fired up, and and you know. I, Look, I mean, I, I have not little else to be that fired up about these days. I've got, uh, uh, I, I actually don't, in the fantasy football draft that I'm in, I don't pick until the third round because much like um, our good friend, uh, Mr. Dolan, that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, I dealt away my future um, so I could have Frank Gore. Um, <laughs> oh. I guess has, well, I guess I had worse feet than your Aunt Dolly because it, it didn't do his hip any favors uh, down the stretch and totally sank my, my season and, and Oh. Stole my ha- stole my happiness. So, um, wow. so yeah, man. I mean, just to hear hear all this optimistic talk. I mean, you guys talked about the Mets, like like you know there was something to talk about there. We're talking about <laughs> the NFL. How dare you? Know, you. How dare you, Jay Linder? There, there, there were there were women in gladiator shoes and mini skirts today. I mean, you know, the sun is shining. Uh, I'm I'm just happy to be here, man. Play play well, music good... again. You know, I mean, this is great. <laughs> Well, now, now that we got all this optimism out of the way, uh, this is a good time to talk about the Knicks, Jay. <laughs> you know something? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm going to throw you guys a, a slight curveball here. Uh, I, I am very pleased to tell you, and this had nothing to do with today's weather, that I am actually upgrading my feeling about the Knicks. For the last few years, I have been downright suicidal. I mean, Sylvia Plath sticking my head in an oven, just ready <laughs> just to do away with it ready to go out and get my two, two-and-a-half-year-old son in Nets jersey because I know that's that's the way he and other future generations of New Yorker were, New Yorkers are bound to go. Oh, no, and, no, and no. I have, and I, I got to tell you, in the last, in the last, I would say, three or four months, I've gone from, from downright end of days to feeling a little uneasy. I've wow. actually, I've actually, I've actually gone from, from just the, the, the pit, the pornography of human despair to, you know what, I feel, I just have this bad feeling now. That's it. 
that's, that's, that's quite that. that's quite a positive step, though, wouldn't you say? I got I got to start somewhere, man. I got to start somewhere. I mean, and look, I mean, let's face it. You know, speaking of of, of potential lockouts, in a kind of a twisted way, you can feel good about the Knicks in the sense that there's there might be a limit to how badly Jim Dolan can mess things up over the next few months, particularly if, um, you know, if there's a work stoppage. Um, yeah. Or, or, so, so we'll see. We'll see. It's hard to tell. What do you guys think? I well, think let me add, well, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> real, real quick, you say there might be a limit on how, he, how badly he could mess things up. I mean, would that limit be bringing Isaiah Thomas back? Oh, goodness, you said it. You know, I was really enjoying my brief little honeymoon <laughs> of, of feeling uneasy, and you had to go there. Well, because I don't think you can put a limit on how badly he could screw this franchise up. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You can't. I mean, if you, you might be able to put a hard cap on the salaries, but you can't. Yeah, there's the sky's the limit um, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, the, the the rings of hell that Dante never talked about, or the, or the limit when it comes to Jim Dolan. I don't know, man. You know, in my heart of hearts, I'd like to think that there'd be some sort of transition plan in place that, that they will keep Donnie. I mean, look, we're probably going to know the answer on Donnie Walsh by the time you guys are next week. So, so I'm hopeful that they're going to keep him around, even if it's for a year or two. Um, as far as the talent on the floor, I think that, I think that they'll make their best effort to, to improve the club. I know they've got a, a decision to make in the next few days about Chauncey Bellison. And, and, you know, I know $14 million sounds like a lot of money, but I honestly think that, that, it would be money well spent to keep him around as a bridge to wherever they try and do down the road. I mean, Tony Douglas was actually pretty good during the playoffs, but he's clearly a shooting guard. Um, but, yeah, I, okay, now I've spent the last uh, 90 seconds not talking about Isaiah. Okay, let me let me go back to Isaiah. Um, <laughs> you, know, now, you know what? Let's not talk about Isaiah. I, I just, I, I, I'd hate to think that that Jim Dolan would would screw the pooch that badly by bringing Isaiah back. I mean, you know, David Stern called the Knicks uh, said the Knicks were not a model of intelligent management, and and he was being kind and and yeah. and, and you know extremely. <laughs> you know the sad the sad thing the sad thing is is this is a guy who who is clearly willing to spend all of Dad's money, and he just needs the right people around him to show him where to go shopping, and and that's what he's been missing for a long time, and. And, and, you know, I'd like to think that David Stern is powerful enough that he could have Isaiah Thomas killed. I mean, that, that's not inappropriate, right? I mean, can, 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 Isaiah, can Isaiah just swallow a, a, a bunch of um, Prozac again? I mean, isn't that – no? We'll, we'll, we'll find out how powerful Jim Dolan is if next week you're not around. I'm not worried about that, man. Look, I still have my, I still have my Duck Foley T-shirt from the, uh, the former SellTheKnicks.com website, which is like nice. the greatest thing – which was the greatest thing since free porn. Uh, well, okay, just in second to free porn, but yeah. But um, I, you know, I'd like your to feelings, say, Jay, really, your, your, your feelings of uneasy to me. Yeah. Like upgrading to uneasy reminds me of a, on Arrested Development when they got upgraded to risky on Mad Men. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, and that's that's a fair that's a fair thing. That's a fair thing, and and you know, <laughs> risky. I, 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 all right. <laughs> We're risky. I, I do think that for the first time, the fact that we had both both garden clubs in the second season this year mm-hmm. would would at least spell out the idea that you know what maybe you're letting the right informed people make the right informed decisions and 
and your your brand is on its way up, and your two franchises under the Garden Roof are on their way up, and you know they've invested a lot of money in in, in renovating the building. I, I just I really do think that 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 they're going to maybe not make the best moves, but I do think that they will make some stable moves. You know, maybe they'll keep Donnie around with the uncertainty about the lockout. D'Antoni, you know, I'm not a big fan, but the truth is, with the impending lockout, the possibility of a work stoppage, in fact, they owe him, I think, 5 or $6 million next year. It actually probably makes sense to keep him around and then maybe go big game hunting in 2000, um, 2013, 2012-2013. So, so, you know, is there a limit to how badly Jim Dolan can, can disappoint me? No, of course not. Am I choosing <laughs> to be hopeful because, you know, spring is sprung? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Well, spring is in the air. So it's nice. It's it's nice to be positive and have optimistic thoughts. But that being said, let's talk about D'Antoni, Jay, and Steve. Yeah. Let's All talk right. about that. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna set Jay up with this one. Uh, how much blame do you give D'Antoni uh, with this first round sweep? Um, you know, not not terribly much. I'm gonna be honest with you. Not terribly much. I, I think I think if you wanna. If you want to put the blame on D'Antoni for the style of play that the club brought to the first round of the playoffs, based on 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 how he's um, managed them over the course of the year, all right, I'll place part of the blame there. But hey, truth be told, you know he went what 14 and 18 with a team that he didn't have at the start of the season. Um, he's not a defensive-minded coach, but he did hold the Celtics to I believe something like 91.5 or 92 points per game. He mm-hmm. managed. He managed to keep them in there, minus you know a couple of their best players. So uh, I, I'm not a big D'Antoni fan, but I I actually think that you can't put a lot of this at his doorstep. Now that being said, if Big Chief Triangle shows up next season and wants to coach the Knicks, then yeah, yeah, Mike D, Mike D'Antoni can hang. I forget it. <laughs> wow. But but uh, yeah, I said it. I said it. I, I would absolutely pimp myself out to get Phil Jackson to coach the Knicks. I'd have no problem doing that. That would be. That'd be just fine by me. I really do think that we need that kind of splash and make that kind of statement. But uh, actually, you know, I'm an even. I'm not a D'Antoni fan. I'm a huge Doc Rivers fan from way back in the day. Speaking of transition point guards for the for the Knicks, um, <laughs> but I do think that D'Antoni, with what he had, kept the team in there for a couple of games. You know, I mean, granted, it all fell apart by the time they got back to the Garden, but um, not, not, yeah. not all that disappointed. I uh, I want to ask you about Donnie Walsh, Jay, just because uh, Cal knows I'm about to uh, scream <laughs> with your assessment of my. I, I can't stand D'Antoni. I think he literally cost them any shot in that series, uh, just because of how badly he mismanaged the end of, of games one and two, where they had a real. And I know what he had on the floor. I understand. I, I really do. But it, it's it, to me, it's even more of a testament to how bad he is. That that's what he had on the floor. He had Carmelo having an all-world night in game two, and he could have won both of those games if he was any sort of late-game coach, and he, he, he's not. Fair enough. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, he did, he did keep them in, the, in each of those first two games, but, but I yeah. think that's a good point. I think that's a good they, point. They just didn't need to get swept. That's, that's all I'm saying. And, and I think a lot of that falls at, at – I don't think they were going to win that series. I mean, again, yeah. you know, when, when, you're, when you have Bill Walker getting big minutes, you're not winning that series. But – don't sleep, don't sleep on or with Bill Walker, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to ask you about Donnie Walsh, uh, Jay. Isn't he the key? First of all, your you know your your favorite boy, Guitar Jimmy, has been you know letting Glenn Sather run the Rangers for 37 years or whatever it's been. Right. 
apparently mediocrity is completely acceptable. Uh, and Donnie Walsh came in here and did exactly what he said he was going to do, short of getting LeBron, who he wasn't getting anyway. And he did right. bring in Amari Stoudemire, uh, Stoudemire, who turned out to be a much better player and leader than anybody had banked on. He's got sure. to bring Donnie Walsh back, right? Come on. You would, you would think so. And, you know, the other thing, and, again, I'm not – I don't know – I don't have K-Mac-like knowledge, but, I, I mean, like <laughs> – they, they, Who does? I think, I think regardless of, of Jim Dolan, you know, totally um, peeing in the soup with the, uh, the, the Mellow deal, I still think the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, have room under the cap for next year. Now, of course, that, that's assuming there's still going to be a soft cap. So, right. so Walsh, Walsh, you know, Walsh got it done, man. I mean, he decreased the payroll by some outrageous number, something like $24, $27 million, and, and, and really put the Knicks in the best position possible. You know, uh, I, I think he's got to come back. And, and again, I, I am going to continue to use the impending lockout as my excuse to not, you know, switch um, horses midstream and, and have them come back. But again, my this whole premise is based on on um, someone who I, I have just an unholy hatred for. So, um, <laughs> so you know, because of that, Jim Dolan might be saying, you know what, Jay, Jay wants this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go the other way. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and hey, look, man, you know, I mean, and, and, and not to, to be completely fair, I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but to be completely fair, you know, I love Ray Felton. I love Gallinari. Those guys weren't going to win the, the Knicks the title. They weren't. Yeah. So, so the fact that you know we 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 blinked in our game of chicken with Mello down the stretch, I'm willing to let that go because because Mello it, combined with Amare is enough to get New York excited about the Knicks again. And and hey, by the way, this was all done at the expense of the Nets, who looked pretty foolish with um, you know Ivan Ivan Drago there um, trying to. Trying to show show off and show his bankroll, so you know, uh, I, I actually think that that might be the flashpoint. That might be the turning point that where we might be talking about the next the next few years in a manner that won't um, make me cry on your show. <laughs> well, let me. You know, the flip side with Donnie Walsh is I, I think we all agree that he should come back and we want him back. But does Donnie Walsh want to come back? You know, he's seventy years old. He's he's. He's got some health problems. Does, does he want to deal with Jim Dolan at he this does, stage of his life anymore? He does not look good. No. <laughs> yeah, didn't he have like part, like part of his tongue taken out or something like that? That's, that's I, I, I don't know. There's There's been a lot going on. There's wheelchairs. God bless the man. He looks like he smokes 72 packs of cigarettes a day. He does. He does. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, every time I see him speak, I, I feel like, you know, I'm going to go say a novena for him just to make sure he makes <laughs> it to the next press conference. You know, I, I don't know if I'd want to go work for Guitar Jimmy after what he's been through this year. You know, true, but but I think that, um, you know, Donnie's a New Yorker, Fordham Prep. Uh, if, and, and, you know, again, sorry to, to flog a dead horse here, but you know, let's just say if we're looking at a 50 to 55 game NBA season, you know, Donnie Walsh can look pretty good and 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 not have to work terribly hard. I I I, I think that that if he wants, I think that if 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 the opportunity is there for him to come back, he's going to come back. I don't, I think Donnie's too too much of a square G, too much of an old school pro to to um to to not take anything but the high road, and frankly, take Jim Dolan's money. I'm sorry, well, Jim Dolan's father's money. My bad. Correct. 
Well, it, it will be his money eventually, won't it? I, I don't know. Not if he keeps. <laughs> I, I, you know. I mean, uh, I, part of part of part of his own just to start drinking again. I mean, like that might actually be that. You know, it <laughs> what, what might have worked for George W. Might might work for Tim Dolan. I think they both just need to start hitting the bottle. You know, and tap the bottle and twist the cap and. And 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 realize that Isaiah is you know not your girl you know and, and never will be. Yeah, um, I think I think he makes his own money with his music. To be honest with you, is that right? <laughs> I think that that's where you know he doesn't need his old man. That's what I was going to ask know. Jay if he was if he was more insulted by his decisions as a uh, in running the Knicks and the Rangers or by his music. Uh, I'm more insulted by by his attempts to to maintain a goatee actually. <laughs> that's actually the thing about him that pisses me off the most, you know. Like, like if like if I were that ridiculously wealthy, I'd have the best looking goatee in all New York City. I've seen you. With, I've seen you with a go, uh, goatee. You you can pull it off. I mean, you, yeah. His looks, his looks like his looks like a rhombus. It's just, it's, it looks all wrong. I don't care for it. I don't care for it. Well, he has he has no neck, so that doesn't help. Wow. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, he has no soul either. But but that's <laughs> and there it is. And scene. Speaking of no soul, uh, Derek Jeter has it. No, I'm kidding. What? I would never say that wow. about El Capitan. Well, he's never um, going to speak to you again. That's right. Yeah, and there was a real danger of that. Um, was there a danger of that? Uh, Jay, there's a book coming out by uh, Ian Eyebrows O'Connor. from. Boy, we're just ripping everybody today. Nobody's ever coming on this show. <laughs> again, not that there was a danger of that, but... Um, uh, Ian O'Connor from ESPN dot uh, com and and from, formerly from uh, Marist College, class of nineteen eighty six too. By the way, shut the he's front door. Is he really? Yeah, he's dude. He's a fellow Red Fox. I, 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 you know, I know, I know, I know that we're trying to like you know to to tenderize the meat here so we can start kicking him like uh, like um, Shine Box Tommy, but but it ain't gonna happen, man. I I I like I like Ian O'Connor. I like, uh, I like the IOC. Nobody can do it better. You boys stick together, huh? We do. We do. <laughs> I had no idea that you were a, a fellow uh, a classmate. Were you there at no, the same time? No, 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 no. That's 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 dirty pool right there. How dare you? No, 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 no. <laughs> we're from the, we're, we we both we both went to uh, to Harvard on the Hudson, if you will. Huh. Uh, I in, well, in I'm not in beautiful downtown Poughkeepsie. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm, not gonna I'm not here to uh, you know to to rip him to shreds. I'm not a fan of his work. I find that he's often uh, sort of fan baiting, but that's because I'm a Mets fan and a Jet fan and a Jet fan more mostly. Mostly a Jet fan, uh, right. but he uh, he has written a book about uh, Derek Jeter, right? And uh, some interesting stuff came out of this, Jay. Um, and I think here in New York we sort of knew this, right? Like right. this is not a surprise that Jeter and A Rod were all you know high school buddies like sending notes to each other in chemistry class and stuff when they first came yeah. up. You know, BFF forever, and uh, yeah, and we, then we know this thing out. My question is this: This book is coming out, and it reveals that when A Rod first got to the Yankees, you know, things were uh, really uh, tense, as they say in the locker room. Do you think it cost the Yankees championships, Jay? You know, I know, I know that we all want to kind of go back and, and revise history and pretend that. Um, the idiots didn't uh, cowboy up or whatever the heck it was they did to, to the greatest comeback in, in in modern sports history, which, which by the way, is still not pleased your average Boston Red Sox fan. They're still the most miserable people you will ever come across. 
That's um, a good point. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, I I like to think that that acquiring a rod was was what ultimately, you know, I, I think the rails have been greased leading up to Aaron Boone's um, tweaking his knee playing basketball. I think that that when they let some of the old guard go after 2001, when you went after a guy like Giambi, full well knowing that he, you're paying him a ton of money, uh, well above market, to probably not play first base in a couple of years, and this is before we even knew about the the drugs, so some of us suspected that. You know, I think the Yankees were already heading in a dangerous direction when they when they made the move for A-Rod. You know, had the Red Sox been able to pull the trigger on that deal that would have sent Manny um, to Texas, you know, I don't know. You know, would, would the Yankees have, have been able to win one or two more titles um, without A-Rod? It's difficult to say. What I can say, though, is that all of the things that that made most New Yorkers, not maybe not Mets fans, sorry, Steve, but most New Yorkers really pulled for New York in the 90s, really pulled for the Yankees in the 90s, had really sort of vanished away by the time um, A-Rod put on a uniform. And, and, and his joining the club, forget about his relationship with Jeter, I think his joining the club truly created a chasm in terms of the sort of quote-unquote real New York Yankees fans' relationship with the team and, and the, the masses who just follow a winner around. I, I think that the, the personality, the collective personality of the team really took a serious hit when they signed him. Well, um, I think, and, I they think have, he, and they haven't recovered from it. Well, I think, Jay, he was he was part of a larger, and I, I've talked about this before, we've, we've talked about it on the show, he was part of a larger group of players that came over during that time frame. You know, your, sure. your Mike Nishinas and your Giambis and Gary Sheffield and Randy Johnson, Kevin Brown. I mean, all of these guys were not, and, and, you know, you're right. As a Mets fan, I was able to pull for the Yankees in, in 96. You know, they had, they had a team that you could get behind as, as a New Yorker. And then they started Agreed. bringing on these, mer- these mercenaries. Um, not that A-Rod's a mercenary or, not, or anything, but he was just – he was like the iceberg, you know, the tip of the iceberg of that type of player that they brought in in, like, the mid-2000s. Absolutely. No, I, I think you, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. I mean, you know – I, look, I think there are probably a few people out there that want to treat O'Connor's book um, as sort of a premature version of, of DiMaggio's The Hero's Life, which is another, you know, another exercise in tearing down, tearing down icons. Um, you know, for some strange reason, uh, there's there's this there's this weird relationship between um, the the increased focus on Jeter after a down year and a new contract with um, who he is as a, as, a, as a player and as a Yankee, and we're, we're, we're already kind of a little too willing to write his his player obituary, if you will. And I think this book maybe doesn't intend to do that, but but that's that's sort of the residue that I'm picking up from what I'm reading about it. And, and but dude, you're absolutely right. I mean, like a guy like Kevin Brown was bringing nothing to the table in terms of of really you know relating to fans. Um, right. A guy like Giambi, yeah, okay, a, a likable guy, but not not a not a Yankee. Um, all of the Mishina. things made us root. You know, Messina. Well, look, I'm, I'm an Orioles fan from way back, so uh, oh, Moose. Okay. I, I actually like Moose. I think I think he's a big game pitcher. Um, you know, honestly, I think if you look at his, at his Yankee career as a as a whole, particularly his his performance in the playoffs against the Red Sox. Really, I think Messina might be the exception to that mid 2000s, um, that mid 80s 
uh, uh, dilemma that the club found themselves in. I really do. I, I like Messina. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you think of a guy like Randy Johnson even more so, who you know gets in a fight with a cameraman the first day he's here out of season. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't seem like those personalities, right. And that's why we talked about a couple of years ago when they brought in the Nick Swishers and they brought in uh, A.J. Burnett. And, you know, Burnett's had his, his problems, certainly. But that first year, he was a good time Charlie. They changed the sure. clubhouse around, and I think that's, you know, maybe we'll find out in this book, too, that that's uh, – I don't think it's any coincidence that they – won a championship um, again when the clubhouse seemed to be more at ease and maybe the cold war between, uh, you know, the, the two uh, high school bio partners had, uh, had, you know, kind of cooled down by then or warmed well, up. Well, let's face it, you know, getting busted, taking steroids um, can, can be a bit of a, a leveler, right? I mean, that could, that's a downer. That's, that's a downer. Yeah, that's that, tough. That can, that can, that can bring people that can, that can, that can, you know, um, add bring a little bit of situation. Yeah, just just a touch brings you back to earth a little bit. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think uh, you you brought up an interesting point though, Jay, about the the Jeter obituary, you know, yeah. and and saying basically like he had a, an off year last year, and uh, you know, question he's off to a slow start this year, and I think you know we're quick to do that as a society uh, as a society when it comes to sports because we don't want to see these guys have a long or a prolonged fall you know and none of these guys none of these athletes that we worship or or look up to or whatever and even if it's just for their athletic travails none of these guys you know except ryan sandberg (laughs) you know (laughs) sort of like walk away when they're supposed to and you know you never want to see it drawn out and and cal and i have talked about this too like about jeter in that we we don't want to see this happen to jeter and we're met fans you know we don't care but like we don't want to see it happen to Jeter. We don't want to see him go out like this. Right. You know, we I, don't. Yeah. Are, are people really? I mean, let me ask you this though. Ten years from now, will people remember this? Will people remember him switching over to first base begrudgingly and and hitting two forty? <laughs> people tend. I, I really do believe that in the long run, people don't remember that sort of thing. That being said, I appreciate your point. I mean, we none of us want to see this happen to 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 Derek right now because you know we we feel like he's he's sort of a plate above that over the course of his career, and, and, and now that there are certain people, like, you know, like my fellow Red Fox or Ian O'Connor that want to, um, you know, sharpen their knives, uh, it's, it's a little disappointing. But, you know, it's how books. People are, you know, this is what people want to read. So. Yeah, and supposedly the book is not, you know, a hatchet job by any means. Supposedly the book is, is uh, uh, very kind to Jeter, just touches on his relationship with A-Rod, and I thought that the Jim Lairitz, like Jim Lairitz should be giving quotes to anybody, but the Jim right. Lairitz quote about, <laughs> you know, they were so close and so friendly. Like, you know, Jeter would stay at A-Rod's house when they would play in Seattle, and they would have, quote, unquote, as Edgar Martinez called them, sleepovers. Sleepovers. Right. And right. Jim Lairitz, and Jim Lairitz saying, you know, he plays for the other team, right? And that kind yeah, of take, it was, could go it was so many ways, though, Jay. <laughs> it was Seattle. Yeah. I, I know. I what's what's going to do? I, it's Czechoslovakia. It's, it's you know. Wisconsin. We'll be in. We'll be out. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was the Mariners. It was the Mariners. When was that? When did anyone ever really take that seriously? You know, I, I, it, right. They were both young guys. Um, they were, you know, hey, they were young. They were curious. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was college. Um, what of it? It was college. Uh, but, uh, you right. know, I, I think that a lot has been made of it. I think that. Uh, 
you know, it's kind of amazing to consider that we are now entering our what our, our seventh season with a rod pinstripes and and uh, it's a great experiment. Yes, it's in its you know uh, season. It's yielded it's yielded it's yielded one title. Um, it's yielded I think a a, a a lot of a lot of headaches for some. You know, it's it's in a strange way harkened back to um, a rather unlikable Yankees team in the mid seventies. Um, that, that's the sort of vibe that I got. Uh, everyone knew the guy was a phony when he showed up. Yeah, I think he's crazy. It's hard to come down on. It's really hard to come down on Jeter for allegedly, you know, giving him the cold shoulder or or not being, you know, not taking the high road and being and faking it with a rod. I mean, uh, I mean, let's face it, they they were they had sleepovers. I think they probably knew when the other was faking it. So, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's a bit of a stretch to 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 you know now treat uh, Jeter again not unlike a guy like um, Joe DiMaggio and I can't remember the guy's name uh, in, in, in the hero's life. I mean, treating this sort of aloof, cold person. I, I don't think that's who Derek Jeter is. I think if you look at who some of his best friends on the team have been over the years, they've right. been people who who aren't in his in his economic bracket or. In his stratosphere, in terms of his his career statistics, they've been, you know, role players. Um, you know, Dale Swain, for crying out loud, I think was was good <laughs> friends with him, and he he asked to stick around to to, to throw batting practice after the Yankees cut him. So yeah, so you know, I, did they did I they play the music? Did they play the music every time those guys hung out? Asking him never to return. I, I just, you know, I, I realize I appreciate that there's an appetite in this world, in the sports fans world, to there's an appetite for books that 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 revisit history, that revise history, that want to tear down. Um, oh yeah, the iconic fabric of people. I have kind of a limited patience for that as it stands. I have less patience uh, with it for a guy that that just re-upped and, and is going to probably be with us for three or four more years and. And, you know, I think as a Yankee fan, people kind of need to maybe step back and appreciate what they have here. So, Yeah, I, I think... Mean, the, the, go ahead, Cal. No, I was going to say, the timing of the book seems kind of odd, right? Because, like you said, he did just re-up here in New York for, for another three or four years. Right. Yeah, I, but, you know, I, the timing of all of this seems a little odd to me, but... Um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's been a it's been a period of transition with the Yankees over the last couple of years in terms of um, you know the boss's passing and, and how Reigns abandoned over prior to that. I mean, we we really I don't I'm not that familiar with how long O'Connor has been working on this book. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe he was maybe he was still working on it and they decided to rush it to 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 print in light of what's going on. Who knows? But you know, I. I don't think this is even going to. Ha- I, I would like to believe that a book like this probably won't even have the same impact that that Tory's book had two years ago. I, I, right. I don't think we're going to be talking about this book in a, in a few months. I really don't. Well, you might be, you know, being from Marist and all. I might be. I'll be bragging. Yeah, you bragging. guys might be. I, you know what I want to read in that book, Jay? Uh, supposedly, is the stuff about him and Cashman and what went on this past winter. Sure. No, I mean that'd be interesting. That's interesting. That'd be interesting. That, that's yeah. interesting to read. I mean, that was. I mean, frankly, I thought that was one of the more interesting parts of Tory's book when when they talked about the negotiations that were going on um, when that that ultimately led to uh, him being invited to sort of you know stick around and prove himself for one more year. 
that that interplay with Cashman, I found that to be one of the more interesting elements of the Yankee years. Um, yeah. So, so in the spirit of that, uh, you know, uh, I, you, I think you have a great point. I think that might actually be an interesting element to the book. And also, you know, Cashman, we've said it on the show a bunch of times, you know, he seems to be going rogue. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Cash is a little cray-cray. I think he's a little nutty. I think Cash is just like, you know what? F it. That's <laughs> right. Gonna have, like, like what, what, what am I going to do? Where, you know, am I going to go man, go be the GM in Kansas City? I'm Brian Cashman. You know, like, right. uh, Cash, Cash is thinking about his next career, um, whether it be in television or, you know, a, a, as a consultant or making great goo gobs of money doing something for very little work. I mean, you know, I'm not knocking Cash, but, but I mean, you know, the guy's had a pretty charmed life. So, yeah, so, he's, uh, he's know, having some going, I'm Keith Hernandez moments, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to go. It's easy to go rogue when 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 um, when the stakes really aren't that high for you anymore. So. And I'll tell you what, the Brian Cashman book coming out in five years is going to be one hell of a read. <laughs> that could be a good book. I mean, you know, let's face it. If 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 Hank and Hal like, you know, squeeze him out, and Cash is like does in fact say, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not working." Uh, oh, could you imagine? You know, I'm, not, I'm not working oh, in that business delicious. anymore. That could be a great book. Can we make that happen? How do we make that happen? <laughs> how do we? I think, do we, I, think we, I think we're on our way. Yeah. I think we need, we need like one of those Buffalo Wild Wings machines that they have behind the bar, right? We gotta. Wait, we need, those we need, are real? we need that. Yeah, I, 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 part of me, in a way, really wants to believe that it's real. Like, you know, I think in the NBA, if Tim Donaghy's doing the game, it might actually, <laughs> actually have those. Jay, Tim's before a minority have... partner. Tim's a minority minority partner in Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Jay, before we uh, let you go, buddy, I want you to tell me three movies you are absolutely going to see this summer. Three movies. Go. Three movies. Wow. I mean, you're kind of going on the assumption that I'm going to make it to three movies. You realize I have two children under the age under the age of three, right? I mean, I, I, I don't do go to movies anymore. Uh, all right. <laughs> three if, movies if really you wish you could go see this summer. <laughs> three movies I will talk about going to see this summer and might catch on uh, video on demand in four years. Um, late at night when when I have uh, watched the Knicks not make the playoffs, I, I'd probably say, all right, big popcorn movie, i got to go Super 8. You've got a great combination of Spielberg going back to his early 80s, um, you know, big picture roots, and J.J. Abrams, who's going to write a few curveballs, and, and I think that could be a great time. I, I definitely think that's got to be one of the three big movies that have to be seen this summer. Um, All right. I'm going to go a little against the grain here, and I'm really going to say that uh, it's been a while since she's made a decent film, but she, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, Cameron Diaz can do raunchy comedy. Bad Teacher looks fantastic. It's it like does. the retarded cousin of Bad Santa. I am so fired up for that. <laughs> I, I'm, very, I'm very, very excited. Um, you know, I, I'm also going to go with a late summer pick. I realize people are knocking it, but I do think that um, – that John Favreau is on a hot streak, and I think the Cowboys and Aliens with Daniel Craig and Harrison yes! could be really exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the, you know, People forget the last few years have brought us films like Superbad and District 9 at the end of the summer. Even even a film like Step Brothers, which I thought was hilarious, um, was a late July, early August flick. So I'd say be on the lookout for Cowboys and Aliens as well. Uh, Harrison Ford, Daniel Craig, um, you know, based on a great graphic novel. Uh, I think you can't go wrong there. Those, we said those are my uh, three. If I make it to one of them, I will be so thrilled. And I'll have you guys. <laughs> if you make it to half of one of them, you'll be ecstatic. Half, we said, 
We said, we said a couple of weeks ago, Jay, uh, on the show, we were talking about Cowboys and Aliens, and that, and that's my number one, by the way. Is that? And oh, I, really? Okay. I, I asked if that was the shortest pitch meeting in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> because it, it, Cowboys, Aliens, Harrison Ford, uh, James Bond, and uh, yeah. Favreau directs. All right, uh, let's go make this picture. What do you, what do you need? I, I, two, I, two million? Two hundred million? Yeah, and, and and by the way, man, very underrated Sam Rockwell's in this in this film too. So yes. uh, I'm I'm fired up about it, man. I think I think it's 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 gonna be pretty good, you know. I, I don't know if it was as short a pitch as Snakes on a Plane, but but <laughs> I'm I, I think it's got potential. It'll be entertaining. You'll you'll get what you you'll get what you expect. You know, you might not be able to get the two hours back, but but um, but that there there will be yours to get. So uh, I, I bet those those are my three. Nice. If I could eat a biggie tub of popcorn during that, then it's two hours well spent. Totally. I mean, hey, look, right now I'm eating a biggie tub of popcorn while watching, you know, Yo Gabba Gabba with with my two year old. So, nice. which which I, for for those for those listeners who don't have children, Yo Gabba Gabba is sort of like a combination of um, oh the wow groovies in the hard the groovies in the heart video from the early nineties yeah and uh, and you know um, the new zoo review it's 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 Crazy stuff, man. I think that I, is an actual perfect description. <laughs> Listen, I've, really, I have it, never. No, go ahead, Jay. No, no. I was just gonna. The only thing I was gonna say is like you, you know, it's it's you know, you're printing money when the people who love it best are three years old and and in college. <laughs> That's where I was going. Yeah. That DJ Lance Rock, uh, man, he's got something going on there. <laughs> what 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 that is? I have no idea. But I don't know what it is. I don't know. But it's a great show, man. It's a great show. They've got they've got Biz Markey doing beatboxing. They get great guests. They really do. They've got the Roots on there. They've got uh, Band of Horses. I mean, you can't like I'm 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 a fan, man. It's 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 a good show, and and it makes me um, actually uh, be able to have a shred of dignity left, knowing that I'm I'm watching something that, that's still based in some popular culture that's, that resonates with me. All this, of course, while I'm begging my son to eat his uh, frozen pancakes with whipped cream. So. <laughs> I got to I got to uh, we're going to run, Jay. But before we do, I need to bring uh, pop culture PJ, our producer on uh, right now to tell us his uh, three movies and also to uh, to tell you uh, how he feels about Yo Gabba Gabba. Pop culture PJ, are you there? Hello, I'm here. The wallpaper's up. We're doing okay. Excellent. And and is the cat uh, still uh, <laughs> giving samples? Don't. If she hears us, she'll come back. Right. Okay. Well, uh, pop culture PJ, your three must movies of the summer. Early. I know it's early for a summer movie preview, but your three musts. Thor, Thor, and Thor. <laughs> I just In that order, theater, and get right back online. All on the same day is what you're saying. Yeah. And now you you have a, a couple of kids there, pop culture PJ. Uh, how do you feel about the Yo Gabba Gabba type people? Um, Yo Gabba Gabba is uh, quite awesome. I find that if you look at it for too long, though, it causes eye strain. There's something about the colors. Uh, the colors are a little bit too intense. I've had to see your pop culture PJ. I know what you're talking about it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, kind of like yeah. uh, when Nintendo had to pull pull some of those games back because they were cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yo, Gabba seizure. That's, yeah, kind uh, of. that's not not as much fun. No. Uh, and uh, pop culture PJ, uh, do you dress up? This is a. This sounds like a good Halloween costume for you. 
As Broby? <laughs> Broby. Bro, Broby, yeah. Broby's my favorite. Broby's got it going on. <laughs> but uh, well, there's, I think a, there's, uh, there's, there's a party in my tummy. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's something of a court order out there already that says I can't dress up as Broby and, and you know leave the house. <laughs> oh, there's the cat. And there's yeah. the cat again. All right, that is all the time we have. On Broby's the guy that, that, that you see. Broby is the guy that's like never done a keg stand before at a, at a frat party. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the joy of Broby. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's why it's perfect that's, for me. <laughs> PJ PJ doing a keg stand would have involved hospitalization without right. a doubt. <laughs> would have definitely ended in the hospital. <laughs> well, I've never uh, seen a man's neck telescope like that. <laughs> thanks, fellas. Uh, this has been Ready to Unload with Callum St. Pete. Uh, thanks to K-Mac and all his draft knowledge. No one man should have that much draft knowledge. And uh, thanks, Jay. Thanks for coming on again, man. Hey man, thanks for having me, and and uh, and God bless. And hopefully it'll be nice weather tomorrow. We'll we'll be optimistic about the Mets or, or something crazy like that. Right, and we'll we'll just see girls in more summer attire in the city, which is also nice. There you go, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you down the line, Jay. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, uh, Cal. Final unload. My final unload. Let's go Mets. Five in a row. Break them up. Break them up. Seriously, they might break them up, though. Uh, yeah, I want them to break them up, actually. <laughs> right. We're going to talk about that next week, because don't think I've forgotten about your little trade David Wright, keep Jose Reyes thing. Don't worry. Uh, Pop Culture PJ, thanks. Anytime, boys. Love the show. <laughs> He's paid to say that. And my final unload is, uh, uh, hope everybody had a, a great holiday. And uh, summer is coming. It was 80 degrees today. We're pretty excited in New York. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the NFL draft. Enjoy uh, baseball. And uh, enjoy your family, Cal. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week, folks. Thanks.